Please thank him and say, Lord, I am grateful. I am truly grateful that I have come to learn. That's basically what we do here. And I believe for, because our desire is to learn, our desire is righteousness. There are deposits that come with that. In the course of learning, you will be healed. The Bible said why Jesus was teaching. The primary thing he was doing, he was teaching. The power of God was present to heal. And I believe for every meeting, why the message is going on, the teachings are going on, God is depositing things in the life of his people. So thank him. And say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you because you, are in the, you have brought us to the congregation of righteous men. For the love of God, well, for your word that you have, you have put in my life, I thank you. Now I'd like you to begin to ask the Lord this evening and say, Lord, speak your words to me this evening in the name of Jesus. Speak your words to me. The Bible said why Paul was teaching. He saw that somebody had faith. He just saw that somebody had faith. And he told the person, arise. Please pray. Say, Lord, this evening pour the spirit of faith into my heart. In the name of Jesus. Speak to yourself and instruct yourself this evening again. Say, I will not be distracted. Call your name. Say, my soul, you will not be distracted. I have come that faith might be impacted into me. And I open myself for that spirit of faith this evening. I open myself for that spirit of faith. Lord, we give you praise forever. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Let's um, invite our sister, um, Blessing, to take the Bible reading for the day. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 2. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible from verse 1. I read, The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the Lord will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations, and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plushes, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Come, house of Jacob, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. For thou hast abandoned thy people, the house of Jacob, because they are filled with influences from the east, and they are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they strike bargains with the children of foreigners. Their land has also been filled with silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land has also been filled with horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land has also been filled with idols. They worship the work of their hands, that which their fingers have made. So the common man has been humbled, and the man of importance has been abased. But do not forgive them. Enter the rock and hide in the dust from the terror of the Lord and from the splendor of his majesty. The proud look of man will be abased. The loftiness of man will be humbled. And the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty. And against everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased. For it will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up, against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, against all the hills that are lifted up, against every high tower, against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tashish, against all the beautiful crafts, and the pride of man will be humbled, and the loftiness of man will be abased, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. 
But the idols will completely vanish. And men will go into caves of the rock and into holes of the ground before the terror of the Lord, before the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble. In that day, men will cast away the moles and the birds, their idols of silver and their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, in order to go into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs. Before the terror of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty, when he arises to make the earth tremble, stop regarding man whose breath of life is in his nostrils. For why should he be esteemed? Praise the Lord. All right, the Lord is good. I say the Lord is good. If you believe, give me an amen. amen. Let's declare the words of understanding. Remember, is what? A declaration. All right. Now I declare. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. Not spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right. We are continue our discussion, of course, on the subject we have been on for some time, which is concerning how to build up our faith. Now, please, let's remember one thing we have been saying again and again, and I think it's so important we don't miss that point. And that's the fact that it's not just what you are looking for that you get when it comes to spiritual things. Many times, there are things you find when you are not looking for them. That is, Solomon found wealth, long life, you know, influence, expansion of his kingdom while he was looking for wisdom. We explained that Ruth found faith when she was looking, when love was walking through her concerning the life of her mother-in-law, um, uh, Naomi, all right? So we said that faith is a spiritual substance, a spiritual ability that God gives to you. What you are looking for in life actually is a major problem. And let me just quickly drop this. As believers, the primary thing that should be in our hearts is that we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects and to bear fruit in every good work. Remember, it is possible for somebody to be a Christian and still be defiled. His spirit can be defiled. Let me say that again. You don't say because your spirit spoke to you, it means it is right. People have heard their spirits and they've been wrong. Why? Because spirits can be defiled. That's why Paul said, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. Perfecting holiness. That is, there are things we need to do to ensure that that defilement does not happen to us. You can be a Christian and still be in the gall of bitterness, and still be in the bondage of iniquity. We saw that concerning the life of the man, um, Simon. When we read last time extensively from the book of Acts chapter 8, we saw that Simon believed. Now, but because there was something inside him, and I explained, let me just go over it again briefly. Many times people are doing things, you don't know what exactly is pushing them. Simon probably went into you know, seeking those dark powers because he wanted to be influential. He wanted to be important. Sometimes, you know, I've heard a man say to me before that his worst fear in life is that of poverty. That the thing he fears in life is poverty. Now, such a man will give his life to Christ. Listen to this. And he will start believing all kinds of doctrines. They will say, go and sow a, sin, a, a seed or not, to cancel the sin of three generations so you can prosper. He will believe. They will say, okay, what you need to do is to take your neighbor's car and sow it as a seed. Then when God has multiplied it, you can dash your neighbor three. He will go and steal and believe it, you understand? Act upon that word. And of course, nobody's giving him three, any, you know. No, what I've told you now, somebody did it to his brother's car. His brother traveled. <laughs> you know the way it is, you leave your brother in the house, okay? So somebody came to their church and preached. So he went, took his brother's car to church, dropped the key as an offering. And it was expecting that what God will have done is to multiply the seed. So by the time his brother comes back, we'll have bought a better car, and the brother won't be angry. I mean, 
Now, so a man whose worst fear is poverty will believe such things and act upon them. We saw last time that that was a problem with Simon. Simon, wanted, there was something inside him that was pushing him. I believe, just, I mean, we're just using that one to illustrate it. Maybe he wanted to be influential in life. He hated poverty too. And he said, how do you get it? He went into the occult. He learned the, the use of dark powers. He became very influential. He gathered crowds to himself. Then one day, Philip came and then he believed. But then that thing had not left him. That thing had not left him. There are people who are proud. There's a man I knew once. Well, I hope I'm not judging somebody else, okay? I should judge my own problem. But this one, you don't know him, so I can use it as an illustration. He was very proud. I heard his story of what he was, his achievements in life. Very, you know, very handsome guy like this. Very proud. Then he gave his life to Christ. Then he became very proud of being a Christian. His Christianity was full of pride. Do you understand my point? But it was still pride. It was still pride. I hope you're getting my point here. So it is possible for a Christian to hold that thing. And the thing is pushing, sometimes making him do what appears like good works. But the Bible says, David was saying that God desires truth in the innermost being. It's not just what you are doing. It is the reason why you are doing it. Do you get my point? So we, we don't say because I'm a Christian, everything is okay. No, 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 no. We have to deliberately. I need to remind us again, sometimes God has blessed us. That's something I've not heard anybody preach before, but I'm sure people have probably explained it using different words. Sometimes God blesses people on credit. I said it last time. The fact that your life is going smoothly does not mean that's exactly what God wants. Sometimes God just allows you to have things because he believes that a time will come when you will learn. We saw the example of Saul. God allowed Saul to be king in Israel. I expect that now Samuel will train him. Samuel will teach him some holy things, how to handle holy things. Samuel will teach him the things that are important that he should do and the ones that he must not do. And then when he will have learned them, then I will establish his kingdom. But Saul refused to take those instructions. So his kingdom was not established. And God therefore changed his mind concerning the fact that this man was made king. He said, I, don't, I regret, he said to Samuel, that I've made Saul king. I hope you're getting my point here. And that's the way it works. So many times we've been blessed in life. Let's still correct ourselves. And remember what I said, just like our Bible reading for today. He said, there's a day of reckoning that is coming. All right? We read from that um, Isaiah chapter 2. You see there, if you go to around um, verse um, 12, New American Standard says, For the Lord of hosts will have a day of reckoning against everyone who is proud and lofty, and against everyone who is lifted up, that he may be abased. It will be against all the cedars of Lebanon that are lofty and lifted up, against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains, against all the hills that are lifted up, all the hills, against every high tower, against every fortified wall. You see what he's doing here? Everything that is lifted up against the knowledge of God, he will judge. And there will be a day of reckoning. What does that tell you? There will be a period those things will seem to prosper. There will be a period those things that are negative, those that are wrong, things that are not in, in keeping with the will of God, will seem to prosper. I hope you're getting my point. And that what God does is to, you know, judge things after he has made a demonstration of them. What am I trying to say here? Let me give an example, okay? The number of things on this earth that often stand or have stood at different times against the knowledge of God. God always comes to judge them at a particular point in time. Communism prospered for a long time. Please don't ever forget this. Those people said there is no God. What we need is ourselves. Yet they became mighty powers. Russia became very great. You know, the union of Soviet and socialist republics, USSR, became very, very great. They were matching America power to power. But God was just watching. So listen, I want them to be lifted. When they are lofty, in the day of my reckoning, I will judge them. And the day of reckoning came, and he judged those things. I hope you get my point. That's what he does. God, you see, he's very patient. Sometimes I have a problem with his patience, but that's just the way he is. Are <laughs> you getting my point? There are times I wish he would judge some things quicker. But he just doesn't. He gives time, then he judges things. I hope you get my point. So communism was lofty. Then God judged it. Okay? And listen to me, no matter what appears lofty, especially especially when it directly stands in the way of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, that thing will have a day of reckoning. And it will crumble so fast. You get my point? Now, don't let Islam scare you. Do you understand? Anything, anything, anything that stands in the way of the knowledge of Christ Jesus as a true son of God has a day of reckoning. That date has been set. 
listen, everything. Sometimes I feel sorry, let me not go into that now. I'm about to get side, you know, get sidetracked into something. So there are some good doctrines that Christians even preach. I said, God will judge all of these things. It appears good. But once it is once it is lifted high and is obstructing people from knowing Christ Jesus properly, that's a day of reckoning. But what, what are we teaching in our lives? How to build up our faith? Understand something? This is a scary part. This is the third day I'm speaking on that. Every idea, every thought, every doctrine you hold in your heart, no matter how much it has helped you till now, if it stands against the knowledge of the grace of Christ in your life, a day has been appointed that it will fail. If you have, maybe you have a very influential background, your family has money, you give your life to Christ, you are still used to using the influence of your father's name and the funds that come with the name to get things done in life. That thing will be judged one day. God will leave you for a long time more. But while he's leaving you, is because he says, judge yourself. So I don't have to judge you. The day he's coming, that he will judge that thing. He judges in different ways. What he wants to, he will hear from your mouth. He said, how did he say it again? Bell stoops over. Below, a neighbor has bowed down, bowed down. He said, every mouth we say, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. That everybody must open their mouth one day to declare that. Whatever it is, listen, you have a PhD, you are very, very intelligent, it has gotten you things in life, it has gotten you this far. That thought in your head will be judged one day. The time you need your intelligence the most, it will fail you. The time that your intelligence should save your life, it will just not work that day. You will discover that the counsel of Haitofel has been turned to foolishness. <laughs> Everything in life has a day of judgment, a day of reckoning. And that's what we're explaining. What do we do? Last time we explained it in, uh, in detail. Please, if you're not around last time, I think you should get the message. I was telling my wife that after I listened to it, because we had to go through the package for you know, distribution, I said this is probably the most important message I've preached this year. To rank among the top five I've preached in my life. I may be wrong. Are you getting my point? Just the way I feel. I want everybody to listen to it. Especially when I explain the fact that people are blessed on credit. Israel came into the promised land free of charge. But God said you will not stay inside the promised land free of charge. They needed to obey certain instructions. The promise to their fathers brought them in. But to stay inside, God said these are the laws by which we live inside that promised land. That's why, that's why he would tell them things like, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you and that you will live long in that land that God has given to you. I hope you're getting my point. These are very important things we must understand. Okay? So we have been looking at those things. So we are talking about, you know, last time our Bible reading was taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We read that one last time. I just want to bring out a particular uh, verse, which was the main reason we read that uh, portion last time. From verse 10, Paul said to us, According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, whatever you use, each man's work will become evident. That is, in that day of reckoning, you know, we read about that earlier. For the day we show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Now, we read that one last time. And what we're bringing out from there, Paul was specifically talking here about the preaching of the gospel. Paul was specifically talking here 
about how people should be careful what they teach to the body of Christ, how they advance the gospel, what do they go around teaching. But we are saying the same principle applies with our lives. Our lives have different aspects. Each thing we want to build, we have a foundation of a blessing in Christ Jesus. The Bible makes it clear to us we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we already have that foundation, okay? Our foundation is in Christ, but then it is possible to build wrongly on that foundation. As, is, as a child of God, you can build wrongly on the blessing that God has given you. Do you understand my point here? So we said we should be careful. That principle is there. So we said if God gives you um, a wife or a husband that you have a marriage you are building, be careful how you build it. If God gives you children, be careful how you raise them. If God gives you a career, be careful how you build on that career. If God gives you a business, be careful how you are building your business. Everything in life, especially for us, I'm not talking to unbelievers now, I'm talking to Christians. Especially for us believers, the day of reckoning is coming. You know, recently, there was a Nigerian man, I won't mention the name now, but many of us, if you are up to date with the news, you know what happened. A few years ago, he was listed and featured in Forbes magazine as one of the young entrepreneurs in Africa under the age of 30. He was already doing big. He was into real estate, oil and gas, and all of that, okay? So, big guy, everybody, you know, giving lectures. You know, people, even churches, I'm sure they've invited him to come and teach them on how to build business. Churches have done it, I'm sure. He has spoken TED Talk, you know, he's been there talking. Then... The day of reckoning came. The day of reckoning showed up. FBI had been investigating for a very long time. People started saying things like, hey, you know, we never, he couldn't really explain to us where he got initial investment. I said, oh, now, now you now know. <laughs> Suddenly they found out that, you know, lots of millions of dollars were stolen from some international companies. And it was among those who stole the money. And that was where he got his initial investment from. I said everything has a day of reckoning. Everything. My wife and I were discussing today. I said, it looks like this is the season of reckoning. This is not even the day now. It's a season of reckoning. I said, there are pastors who are afraid now. They are calling all those choir girls. Okay, how far now? How much? They are negotiating. That is, some girls are making money now, blackmail. Meanwhile, that one also has a day of reckoning. Why? Because social media is spoiling things for people. Things people did in secret. WhatsApp is now helping us distribute it worldwide. It's a day of reckoning. Everybody's behaving themselves now. It's a day of reckoning. Things we did, we thought we'd get away with. We are now being exposed. Do you get my point? Is it, my wife and I would come to that. I said, this is a day of reckoning. Serious is a season. That young man's was for me, was a personal embarrassment. You know, we're all Nigerians. It's a personal embarrassment. If you were prospering in your own small corner, no trouble. They Forbes printed your face for us. Everybody's reading your story. Then FBI read, read another part of the story and published it. Everything will be judged. I feel like saying it again. Let me repeat what I said last time. God is giving every one of us the opportunity to repent and be saved. You know, I thought about it. People used to say, salvation is by faith, faith, faith alone. I said, listen, I don't understand. Repent and be saved is part of salvation. The faith that does not produce repentance is not genuine. Yes, we know salvation is by faith. But if it does not produce repentance, it's not genuine, it does not save. Faith that is dead does not save. Salvation is free, is by faith. But if the faith is dead, it does not save. How do we know the faith that is alive? James said, is by the works that it produces. And I realize the first work of faith is that repentance. Repentance is not crying. It's not shaking your head. It's just simply saying, I won't do that anymore. I was wrong. Now I have been corrected. Now I'm going to do it the right way. That is what is called repentance. It's not banging your head on the wall. It's not crying morning, afternoon, and night. Crying is good, though, if it will help you. But if you finish crying and you don't change your ways, you have not repented. There's a difference between remorse and repentance. Anytime you catch a man, he will feel remorseful. Then when you uncatch him, he continues in his way. What's the meaning of catching somebody? I don't know, but... <laughs> so that is good. 
So let's be careful. That's what we are making. So that's, those are the things we have been discussing. Remember, we are going for the... We, are, we want to please God. Faith is released into our hearts, not because we are trying to have faith. The problem of faith has been this compartmentalization of faith. That people say, let me go and get faith. It has been a difficult way to get it. But if we just go out of our ways, let me go and please God. Let me go and learn what God is saying. Let me go and receive the instructions in righteousness for the purpose of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord to pleasing him in all respects. Faith is poured into our hearts. We saw the example of Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, Ananiah, those four Hebrew boys. What mattered to them was that let's not defile ourselves. We are, for goodness sake, a peculiar people. We are the people of God. And that was why God poured faith so strong in their hearts. When they saw the fiery furnace, they were not bothered. The threat was clear. They didn't change their words. And they said, there's no point to waste time. They said, there's no point in wasting time. Let's get straight to it. Sir, if it is to bow down to this idol, we just don't have the ability to. I know our God is able to deliver us, but that's not why we are saying what we are saying. It's just that we cannot bow to any other God but him. Those were not normal people speaking. Those were people possessed by the spirit of faith. How did they get that spirit of faith? Because it set out in their hearts from the beginning that we just want to be in this kingdom, and not, that is Babylon now, and not displease our Lord, and not defile ourselves. That was what was inside their minds, and God poured the spirit of faith on them. So remember, how many areas? Four we have been looking at. First, how we interpret our lives. We do that deliberately with God's word. Then faith is boosted. Two, our expectations. Three, the precepts by which we walk, the precepts by which we build. That's what we've been talking about for some time now. And I just realized I'm not done with it yet. Like I may say, we must be deliberate. What did I say? We must be deliberate. When we are building different, that's what I'm talking about now. When we are building different aspects of our lives, we must be deliberate to investigate and learn what exactly is the method of God for building it. You don't know until you have deliberately learned it. Anything you know naturally is wrong. I hope you're getting my point. David said, come you children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. That is, the fear of God is not natural. Societies have their own no rights and wrongs, their own standards. The first day I heard a man saying their society, if women are sitting down, men come in, you know, the women get up for the men to sit. I was surprised, like, what? What kind of people are you people? But I just realized that I was trained, okay, by that time, of course, I learned this in university, I don't even know what my society says. But when we were in school, in fellowship, we were taught that the Bible makes it clear that we men, we are the stronger, you know, people, so we should take care of our women. We learned it. It was a culture created in my fellowship on campus. And like I always say, that if you saw, you know, campus boys, they like to be boys. You know, like, like girls can't it anyhow. So normal boys don't carry load for girls. But I say if you see any girl walking and two guys carrying her load, she's a Christian. It, no, I'm serious. And our sisters in fellowship were very good at that. When they want to carry load, they come and visit us. I still remember one time, school closed for a short period. So when we were not coming back, we did, all of us didn't go far. So some of them, of course, a lot of people moved close to campus but out of school. So two of these sisters, they wanted to bring their load back to school. I still, I still remember that day. They came to greet us. So how are you guys doing? We thank God. We are trying to come back to campus. And so what is the problem? Our load. Of course, we dutifully got up, dressed up, and followed them. I know what, they won't carry anything, though. They'll be escorting you as if the load is your own. <laughs> There's another culture our sisters had. One day we had to discuss it in the, you know, in the, in the ex-school meeting of our fellowship. They will come to fellowship wearing these their fine, fine blouses, fine, fine dresses, and they know it is cold. Then when you start preaching, they start shivering. And they look at you, I'm cold. You know what that means? Remove that to your jacket. <laughs> <laughs> the 
they did it. You know, wear, wear sleeveless blouses on a cold day and come to fellowship and sit down there. Or come here doing prayers. There, everybody's singing. Everybody's warm. They want to sit down. They want, especially when we meet in places like sports conference those days. Open. Breeze will now blow. Then they'll feel the breeze and they'll not do their hand like this. Be rubbing the hand and say, that will generate enough cold and enough heat. The next thing they look at you, I'm cold. And then we didn't have the spirit to say no. Then you will grumble with no. There are things we did grudgingly. If I still remember one day, there was one beautiful black you know, jacket I had like this. And that's a black. The beautiful light blue jacket. So one day, one sister returned it to me. Another one said, hey, I've not worn my portion yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I supposed to? That is, that is me, wake it up. I, that is like, you can freeze. That's your problem. No, seriously, it was our culture. What I'm going to say, that's how we're taught. So you can imagine my surprise when later on in life, a man said in their place, women stand up for men to sit down. I like that. Which kind of human beings are those men in your place? Now that I'm preaching to you, I realize that even that culture I had, it was not natural. It was in fellowship we learned it. It was discussed. It was, it was taught to us that that's how godly men behaved. I said, what you know naturally is not the word of God. It's not the word of God. It's what... God teaches you. David said, come, you children, listen to me. That is, before then, you didn't know it. What am I teaching to us again today? Please, people of God, in every aspect of life, you must deliberately learn it. You must search it out. You must ask yourself, because listen, believers, let me say something to us again. We have not been called to play home. We have been called to deliberately express the will of God in every aspect of life. Sometimes it is hard, sometimes it is painful. Obeying divine precepts is not the method by which you get rich. Let me say it again. If you want to believe God for wealth, go and believe God for wealth. But don't think if I do what is right, God must not reward me with abundance. No. He just says you must live in a particular way. The world does not know it. I want to express it. When he says you are the light of the world, that's the meaning. Being the salt of the earth and being the light of the world, they have two slightly different meanings. If you are the salt of the earth, that is, if you are, that is for you to be the salt of the earth, you have to also be the light of the world. What does that mean? The light of the world means that you show other people how to live. Salt of the earth means that if you are walking in righteousness, your presence will prevent Sodom and Gomorrah from being burnt, from being destroyed. It will suspend judgment upon the land. That if the ten righteous people were found in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have gone away to give time. So being a righteous person makes you, what? A salt. But being the light means that you teach other people the way to go. One of the things, you know, I was talking about faith. You know, the problem of faith being that it's been, you know, we compartmentalized it. We want to pick it where we need it. I thought about it again. Before you can generate the faith to say, God, give me money. The first thing you would do, because God makes things easy. Listen, let me say this to you else again. If anything looks hard in life, you have chosen the wrong thing to do. What God wants you to do is always easy. The one that looks hard is the one he wants to do himself. But you did not do the easy one. You had neglected to do the easy one because the easy one normally is in obscurity. Nobody's watching. It gets you no glory. But it's really easy. For example, four boys gathering and saying we will not defile ourselves. It's amongst themselves. Going to one man, not the king, just a, an official of the king, to say, please, sir, good afternoon, sir. Sir, actually, you know we are, we are from Jerusalem. There are some food you guys are serving here. We really don't, no, they are not kosher. You know, kosher, they call them. They're not, no, they are not our kind of food. The man said, but you eat it. He said, sir, we know, you know, but please, we are baking you. We really don't want to eat it because it will defile us. The way our God, so you know, the man was just looking at these young, they were teenagers, young boys. We we're looking at them like this. Maybe 13 year old, 14 year old, 15 year old. We we're looking at them. 
What are you guys talking about? This like now, yesterday now, the special menu, it was with pork. Very nice looking, but we don't eat pork, sir. Then that kind of wine, too concentrated for our people. No, we are from the royal line. No, you've been looking at like these small, small boys. What's up with you guys? It's, it's a discussion. It's okay, sir. Test up for 10 days. Okay, let's watch it. 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they were healthier. They were better than the other boys just chopping away. He said, all right, if this will make things better for everybody, continue. See, it was not hard. There was no fairy furnace there that eat or I burn you. There was nothing like that. But you know what some people do? In private, nobody's watching. Oh, boy, see meat. What is inside this pork set that they say we can't eat? So, but I've eaten it today. There's nothing inside. Don't mind those priests. They say we shouldn't eat pork. Man, they think has its own special, unique. You no, know, it has this tank with it. When you eat, especially when they cook it with um, um, these roots from Babylon. So, boys, go they work. Then when the other Israelites come, clean their mouth. Hallelujah. <laughs> And they will eat their food. Then one day, the food they ate is secret. We speak openly. When they say, bow before an image, they will start rationalizing. Oh, but we can stand in our hearts. God knows we have to be wise. It's food. It's food. You know when you have eaten, you can't think properly again. When you have eaten, you're not supposed to eat. That's how it is with the things of God. The difficult things, like standing. Now, you know this time around, they are standing to a face-to-face with who? Nebuchadnezzar. Not his official. Now, the fiery furnace is there. I hope you're getting my point here. That's the hard thing. But that's the one that God takes up by himself. At that time, God will, will breathe into the fellow. The fellow will not be able to bow. Let me say this to you. You sound funny. The, the, the heat of the fire will feel warm to him. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Listen, let me explain this. You know, once, when I watched The Passion of the Christ, I told my wife and Joy, we were together, three of us were watching in my stream that day. I said Jesus was not feeling the pain. They said, how can you say like that? I said I wasn't feeling the pain. Until I said it to a lot of people, they never thought about it. They are hammering him, you say he's not feeling the pain. I said, I don't believe he was feeling the pain. You, can you go to the cross? Not yet. Before I said no, but now I just say not yet. If I have been to the garden, I will be able to go to the cross. Why did I say Jesus was not feeling the pain? Because he has been to the garden. If you leave your house and go straight to the cross, if they hammer a rock beside you, you will faint. <laughs> not you, just a rock. Maybe they wanted to bam, he hits a rock. Yeah, yeah, don't die, don't die, don't die. <laughs> but if you go first to the garden, where there's no human being there, just you and God. You are kneeling down and saying, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And it took time. It's not a two-minute thing. One hour the first time. One hour, I assume, the second time. One hour the third time. He was praying. By the time he rose up and came out, it's not as if nails are not painful. But he had been fortified spiritually. So that when you hit the nail, what his spirit felt was pressure. I don't know whether you're getting my point. So, if anything looks hard, it is simply because we are not doing our own portion. We have taken the lost portion. God gives us simple things to do. Those simple things open our hearts to receive grace. I, I feel like teaching on grace again. Listen, never disagree with God. Anytime you disagree with God or make an explanation for why what God is saying may not be true, you shut off the flow of grace into your life. You will not be able to obey Him. Once you start rationalizing, when somebody walks up to you, you say, what do you think about divorce? They say, ah, when it's rough, we we'll better find your way. I always say, man, divorce is why we start explaining and justifying it. You are cutting off the ability to stand in the day of trouble. Life has troubles. That's just life. That's life. Life has troubles. If you fail in the day of adversity, it's a sign that your strength is small. Now, so grace is the strength that God gives you to stand adversity. Listen, Christianity is not a joke. Are you getting my point? Part of our job as Christians is to suffer adversity. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. When I say suffer adversity, not to God's go and fall sick and be in pain. That's not what I mean. I mean, if obeying what God has said will be painful, you go for the pain, 
rather than refuse to obey. It's not, no, you can't just be walking up and down in life as a believer, looking for where life is soft. Many times, now please, again, I always like to qualify so people don't misunderstand me. You can go anywhere. You know I keep saying it. David Livingston came to Africa. Pai Elton came to Africa. Is that not traveling? Traveling is traveling. Amen? The difference is what? Why? Why? Okay? What I try to tell Christians is that if you want to explain to me why one country is different from another, please talk like a mature human being. Stop talking like David. It's not me. Solomon will say, stop talking like a fool. What do I mean? Say, if you get the roads are good. If you get the power is constant. I say, as a child of God, when you say that, I lose respect for you on the spot. It's easier to make money. There are job opportunities. Because you just, I'll just be looking like you say, obviously you were born without a purpose. You are not what the Bible calls a beautiful child. No, go and read Moses, the story of Moses. The Bible said they saw that he was what? A beautiful child. That this boy was born for a reason. So if you're just one of those non-entities, mass, you know, mass children that fell from heaven, not the Samuels, fine. You can talk like that. But if you are one of these peculiar people, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, call forth to show forth his excellencies. There are things you don't see. Any trouble you see, you see it as a challenge to be overcome. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. Like I said, that's just a small digression. Okay, talking about grace. Okay? So, I want to know that trying to say something. There are people sometimes want to believe God, you know, powerful faith to receive from God a hundred million dollars. And every day, in the name of Jesus, you are pacing up and down. Because that's not where it starts from. Those who have that kind of faith, they didn't start. Look, the day I read Strive Masiwa, talking about how he used faith to collect, was it two billion US dollars to buy equipment from the, you know, public, from the, you know, from the open market to make it a company don't trade. Was it $2 billion? He said $1.5 billion. He said that was what faith did for him. I said, Father, die heaven. You know, my boys are trying to believe God for two five. It has, it has naira. He hasn't showed up. So it, for me, that's a lot of money. Let's take $2 billion. $2 billion US dollars in any currency is a lot of money. If you think about it in US dollars, you know how much that is? It is $2 billion. If you think of it in naira, ha. Make sure your calculator has a lot of space. I hope you're getting my point. It's a lot. But the man said that's what faith did for him. We needed $2 billion. We got it by faith. We prayed to God, confessed the word, and it came. So many people are like, ah, when will I reach that level? This is what I'm trying to preach to you. That's not where it starts from. You know where it starts from? First, believing that. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. That one is easy. That one, you're not under pressure. I mean, for goodness sake, you have, you have only two shirts. That one just means know how to wash it. No. Just, you wash this one in the morning today, wear the other one. When this one is drying, you drop this one for That is just to manage your life. It's so easy. You're not, under, you're not owing anybody by having only two shirts. I hope you're getting my point. There's no company that needs you to, 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 to save it by producing a billion dollars. But when we spend all our time changing channel and say, oh, more, when I have my hair, then you, you're not satisfied. If you buy a shirt, it's a nice shirt. You're wearing it, looking nice. Then you see somebody who bought one that's 10 times more expensive than you, so you start feeling inferior. You start explaining that, I like this, your shirt looks like that, my own is in the wardrobe. It looks like that, my own. Yeah, you, I, you wear yours on Sundays, I wear my own Mondays, all right? Start telling lies. Why? Inferiority complex. Do you not get up in the morning, you want to believe God. Now go and, you know, this is the funny thing. Now go and gather the same books, strive, mercy, you are read. Listen to the same messages. Now join his church too. Why? This church faith flows there. You start asking yourself, which church did Abraham go to? I hope you're getting my point. You now see people running up and down. You know the truth? Because fundamentally, they have not yet received a simple thing. Like I said, the simple one. God says, you've come to pray for plenty of money. Say yes. Let's start. I want to build up your faith. First, understand that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he 
possesses. First, understand what they call vanity. You know, my wife and I were talking about it again this morning. You know, many things we're just talking, I say, at the end of the day, all of this thing is what? Vanity. They were talking about a, a young woman who made a particular decision. That, that's what led to it. I said, look, okay, what you, you and I were calling big money, she saw it as small money. So she went for the very big money, the very big one, and made trouble, and made heartbreak, disappointment, and finally went down to ground zero. So we're talking about, I say, after all, all of this is what? Vanity. It would have been easier for us to just understand that everything that looks shiny outside there is what? Vanity. Do you know, actually, that is easier. You're not owing staff salaries at that time. You're not owing anybody. There's no loan, no, that you're supposed to service to the bank that's going to cost you $50 million a month. There's nothing like that. You don't have 5,000 people who need your signature to get their salaries. Nothing like that. It's just for you to just sit down there and accept that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Now, that one, of course, the Bible says, he that watches the wind will not sow, he that observes the cloud will not reap. That is, each phase of life has its own labors. That one also has its own labors. But that labor, even though every phase of life has its own labor, that labor is easier. It may mean you sitting down every day with a Bible, pacing up and down in your room. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. People believe in God for big things, and I like big things too. But once I was reading my Bible as a preacher, I saw Paul write a letter, and he said, I have coveted nobody's goods. See, I have seen preachers get angry on the kind of car that the church gave to them. What kind of car is this? I'm supposed to drive this one. And the car they're talking about, beautiful rider, that most young men will, that is, hey, they will be jumping up and down. Heaven will hear praise that day. Pastor looks at it, look, 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 look. This is used, it's not even brand new. You guys take it away, Joe. A man went to his own church to preach. He said, that is, the pastor of a church, the men's fellowship gathered and said, ah, we are doing men's deal. Pastor, will you come? Pastor, when share the word with them. This is not today. I'm telling you the story of more than 10 years ago. At the end of the day, they said, let's give Pastor a gift, honorarium for coming. You put, now listen, 30,000 naira today is a lot of money. Is it like? Over 10 years ago, they gave, they gave the man 30,000 naira. He called them, abused them from the beginning to the end, that the money was an insult. I was confused. I said, I thought you said he's a pastor of the church. This is the church. Not, he didn't travel. Then if they had brought like 250,000, I would have managed it. They needed less than 300 is an insult. Talking about over 10 years ago. I looked at my friend. I said, are you still going to that church? You try. My friend, I said, you're very strong in my mind. <laughs> Me? I'm not, like, the one I have given is the one I have given. It is acceptable according to what the man has. Not be by force. The leader of the men's group was now sweating, trying to gather the balance to make. I'm not kidding. Sometimes we have some very funny bad names. But one day I was reading Paul. You know what Paul said? I have coveted nobody's goods. Kai! When I read that thing, it hit me. Paul told the people that, listen to me, father, a father gives to his children. Ah! Do you get my point? It is not as if giving Paul a gift was a problem. You remember what he did to the Philippians? When they sent him stuff, he blessed them. He said, you will be blessed. He said, my God shall supply all your needs. He said, but listen, it has not changed me. It has not affected me. I'm just happy that love inside you has been kindled. That everybody has a spiritual account. This will fill up your spiritual account. That day I read what Paul said. I have coveted nobody's goods. It became my own prayer point. I said, God, I like this testimony. I've heard testimony that, ah, it's pastor's birthday. This happened in Lagos those days, not now. S600. It was news all over Lagos. Not two people bought it to one man. And he testified that I've been believing God that this man of God had to bless him one day. I was in Lagos that time, shortly after. I'm talking about this. I'm, the story I'm telling you is around 1994, 95. Yeah, 94, 95. S600. That's when the beast was the talk of town. But you think I'm praying that God let that happen? That's not the prayer. 
The prayer is, I like the other one of Paul, which is what? I have coveted nobody's goods. Many people are believing God for money, big money. God says, you see, the problem I'm having, your faith is small. Why? The easier one to build faith with. You have not built it. You want to believe God for the ability to buy any shed, any cloth, any car you want. Because I first need you faith to buy a shed that's not expensive. Speak to it that it will not hear. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. Yeah, speak to it. Say in the name of Jesus, the God of the wilderness that took Israel out of Egypt and took them right into the promised land and their clothes did not wear out. This shirt, this same God is your God and is my God. Then God will not give you wisdom. Don't use this kind of detergent. Don't hang it directly in the sun. All those kind of things. So that you will wear a shirt for a while, it will refuse to fade. You will have wisdom. You know, faith works with a lot of divinely granted wisdom. The first thing you use your faith to learn is contentment. People are always trying, you know, a lot of teaching of faith, that's what the problem was. We were wrongly applying the faith. People declare, look, look, listen, by faith I don't have, I don't have time for small things, but my faith I go for the big ones. Hallelujah. That's not faith. Let me teach you to this. not faith. It's not faith. David said, my eye is not haughty. Neither is my heart proud. So I have not involved myself in matters too difficult for me. It is not faith for you to be stretched and say, ah, no. I don't use used cars. I only use brand new one. Brand new car is not even our faith. It's when you have the money, go and buy it. Don't give yourself unnecessary faith labor. Do you get what I'm saying there? That this kind of monster of faith. No. What does your faith do? See, this old one I have, I will lay hands on it, cast out any knocking engine, any farm bed I want to cut on the express road, I speak to you, thou shalt not cut. We prophesy that when CVMS opens your engine, you will see every fault and fix it before you can embarrass a man of God. Hallelujah. That's an easier faith. I know, you see, you know I would like to you. It's easier. It doesn't mean you are not believing God. Bishop Oedipo said life is in phases, men are in sizes. Life is in phases. You can't be getting, look, you can't be getting involved. I like the way David said it. So I've not involved myself in matters too difficult for me. Christians think it is faith to be involving themselves in matters too difficult for them. I've seen churches that there are no more than 20 inside service. What is 20? Maybe okay, let's just say 50. They are building a auditorium of 3,000. I've seen church that they are no more than five. They said they want to extend. Want to extend. You see, if money comes and you want to extend, you know I don't have any problem with it. But when I'll be believing God in the name of Jesus, we declare, I say, bros, if, that, if it is faith you are using, use it to fill these seats now. Because these things have measure. Are you getting my point? Why are you exercising yourself in the difficult? Use it to. Are you a preacher? Declare that these neighbors will hear the word, they will come to church. Use that one first. That's what I'm trying to explain. I'm not saying you shouldn't desire good things. Jesus said it clearly all of that will be what? Added. Many of those things people believe in God for their additions. Their additions. They are simply additions. I give the example all the time of our kingdom. One of us had the video recording. I still remember. Was Israel and I at that time? They said that to do recording, to do this one, you needed this kind. Ah, when I heard the kind of lights needed. Ah. Now we enter Kenya Town. Somebody setting up a studio at the same time, spent one light, 180000 for one light, bought a few of them. In a week, blew three million naira. We didn't have three million naira to blow in a year. You're talking about one week. You think I began to pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, I receive light. I receive the light. That can no, no. The person told me that look in Lagos is three hundred thousand, but I went to Dubai in my mind. Pastor Banky doesn't have money for Dubai flight tickets. If Kingdom World had it, I wouldn't spend it on such a thing. So I said, "Is there what thing? We, what shall we do? No, be light." So we went to Kenyatta and began to download wisdom in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and we spent 30,000 naira. 
Was the quality as good as the light of 180,000 for one? No. Was the word as good? I can assure you. The word was clear. And people watched our recording. And I got phone calls from East Africa. People watched our recording. They didn't say, ah, which kind of light are you using? No. People, hey, many of you are with Look, we will use light sometimes to melt while we are preaching. We will buy another bulb. Put them. I'm telling you the truth. I won't lie to you. Any light we are not buying now is because I don't consider it necessary. If I get a professional to show up here now and say, look, he will light this place or it costs millions, we'll give him the money next day. It's not a problem now. Life is in phases. Men are in sizes. There was a time that it was too difficult for me. The first time I went to Cosmo FM, let's broadcast the word of God. When they gave me bill, I left and did like this. Waka. <laughs> that is, I was so angry. That which kind of wicked people are these ones? No, poverty is a terrible thing. You start seeing wickedness <laughs> in ordinary bill. How can you be this wicked? How can you tell us to pay this amount of money to broadcast? Are we selling something? <laughs> Not selling anything. I was so angry. So I left. I simply walked away. Then once I sat down, I was waiting for my wife in church. As I often do, I was into a message in the car. And the pastor says something to you today. I don't, know, I don't remember what he said. All I know is that in my spirit, what I heard, because it's time to get on radio. So I said, okay, let me go back. No, I now left them. Left Cosmo, went to Radio Nigeria. Negotiated, they were slightly cheaper. I said, okay, thank God. The day I was going to pay, somebody said, ah, wait, wait now. Why are you going to Radio Nigeria? I said, ah, Cosmo is too expensive. He said, go and negotiate. This guy doesn't go to radio stations. He knows nothing about broadcasting. He said, go and negotiate with them. I said, I was there before. He said, oh, God, try He's not a broadcaster of any sort. He was my resident doctor. I don't know. I just listened to him and went back. Only to find out that the man I spoke to this time around said he had been authorized to negotiate. And that he was going to give us, the discount now was going to come to almost um, 30%. Dropping the price a little lower than what we're going to get in Radio Nigeria. And the first day we went on air, bam, one guy ran into the rain. Entered the bus, ran to Enugu to come and look for me from Osuka. First day went on air. He said he had never heard anything like that in his life. He didn't know where he was going. He ran to Cosmo FM. I'm looking for Pastor Banky. They said he doesn't work here. <laughs> where can I find him? He was going. Very people knew where Kingdom World Ministries was. He was going up and down. By the time he found me later, he was wet. So I'm like, what is he looking for? Nothing. He just wanted to see me. He had no agenda, no plan. <laughs> Paying Cosmo FM was never a problem. The first time we paid, it was money that I earned from something. My wife and I would just say, okay, let's just give it to the ministry work. That was the last time we paid a dime. That is, I had to put hand in my pocket, personal pocket. People were paid. That is, including our marketer in the radio station. One day went to pay. He cut off a whole episode, 15,000 we used to pay each broadcast that time. He removed 15000 and gave us a full receipt that he would put in the balance. We kept on having favors with them. They didn't want to say, okay, look, let's cut it down to 15 minutes twice a week. The guy who's now the MD at Magic FM, he was working there. I said, ah, Pastor, why? I said, no, no, people want you to even make it one hour. You want to cut it to 15 minutes? He said, is it money? I said, well, it's not like money is not a factor. <laughs> <laughs> he said, no, now, Pastor, let's discuss, let's discuss. By the, so I now talk to the person in charge of marketing. By the time we're done, the rate they gave us, Father in heaven. Till today, I don't think anybody's matching it now. It was so wonderful. Paying them was never a problem. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Many times we don't take the small things first. What are we doing? We're taking the big things. You've never been able to sleep by faith without eating. Yeah, no, really. There's no food, there's no food. I call food, I fall. I say, no, I cross the stomach in the name of the stomach, I speak to you. Relax. Relax. Sleep in peace. In peace will I lay me down and sleep. For the Lord alone makes me dwell in safety and satisfaction. Hallelujah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. You speak the word to the empty stomach and you go to sleep. You wake up next day feeling full. That's what you need first, rather than turning stones to bread. Anybody looking for God to give him big money, listen, forget that one first. 
No, people are believing God for big jobs. Ah, I'm getting a job in mobile in the name of Jesus. Exxon is employing me. They are not. <laughs> that, they, 